Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 37, Lisa McEwen. Now, a good chunk of you know that I do a lot of music for television and sync licensing. And the question that I get asked the most, what's a syncable song? How do you create something that fits a scene perfectly that has yet to be written, has yet to be cast? So my good friend Heather Evans and I, we sat down and we did a mini course called Made for TV. In this mini course, we walk through the song that we co-wrote together, Flame in the Night. And I walk you through the production as well, why I did what I did. I demystify this process and explain to you why this works. So these are things that you can keep in mind when you start comprising your own songs for television. All you have to do is go to songrangforguitar.com, scroll all the way down, and you will see Made for TV mini course that you can jump in right now and start learning how to do this from home. Now, Lisa has written for some of the top artists and alongside some of the best writers in country. And she was signed to BMG Music. She had this amazing run in Nashville. But we're going to talk about the things that happened after when she moved back to Ontario. She started to raise a family and started to get into music and mindfulness. That was something that she always believed in. But now she's sharing it with other songwriters so they can stay grounded and consistent in what they're creating, which is the most important part. So we're going to jump into it. Episode number 37. Lisa McEwen. So I want to get into your whole story. I want to get into mindfulness. I want to get into songwriting. But I always love going back to when people are struck with the music bug. <laughs> kind of wow. when, when they're hit with either they have a album that hits them, they're introduced to an instrument. But for you... When did that, like that idea of music start? Like, oh, I should start doing this. Yeah. Well, you know what? I always sang. Singing is my number one. You know, I, I grew up when I was young. I just thought everyone could sing. Everyone could hear a note. You can hit it. I just always sang. And it was a huge part of my, you know, growing up. And I was the odd man out in my family. Nobody plays instruments. No one sings. They all love and appreciate music, but I was definitely the, uh, you know, like the only one. I'm sure my parents didn't know what to do with me. But um, so uh, I listened to just whatever was going on in the house. But when I was about 14 or 15, I heard country music, like pop country music. And I just What realized, was the first song that hit you that mm, you were just like, ooh? Such a great question. You know what? It was Jody Messina called I'm All Right. Mm-hmm. And I would put on CMT and I would just wait for that song to come on. And I was like, this song's so great. And I would sing along and I'm like, I can sing this music. I love it. I can, I don't know, like the storytelling and yeah, I just, I loved it. And then I was like, okay, I got to do this. And you know what? I always loved, I loved writing and, and stuff. And um, I had a piano and I learned a little bit of piano and I would write songs. And then I realized it's hard to kind of, you know, listen, if I want to do the singing thing, I got to figure out a way. I can't bring my piano everywhere. So it's hard to lug I, a piano everywhere. <laughs> totally. So I was like, I think I need something else. How about the guitar? And then when, you know, I got into country, it was like, yeah, of course you need guitar. Um, yeah. So then I got going on that. That to me too, it's, you know, interesting because I started on piano too and then eventually migrated to guitar. How was that transition from, because I feel sometimes piano is very like, oh, here's middle C, mm -hmm. here's E. And when you hit it, it's so satisfying. It's like, yes. oh, there we go. And guitar, it's the opposite of satisfying. At first, you're just like, okay, my fingers need to go here, here. Oh, that sounds like shit. 
Okay. Totally. Um, <laughs> oh, you're so right. Like that you're right. Bang on. I, I remember picking it up, got one for Christmas and I was like, awesome. Now what do I do? Like, <laughs> why am I not good at this? This is so annoying. You know, and I just, but listen, this is to anyone listening. Like you just have to keep doing it because you know, I'd, I'd sang well, but I was strumming terribly and trying to get those chords worked out, but just kept doing it. And I'm telling you, it took me a long time to get half decent at it for sure. But yeah, because piano is exactly like you say, you, you get that satisfaction and stuff. So yeah. And I find, is it, at least for me, when you have a reason of why you're doing the thing, like in this case, guitar, when you have like, oh, it's because... I want to write these songs. They're playing country music. They're playing guitar. I need to do that. You have your mind set to a very specific thing. It powers you through the calluses, the chords not sounding good or the inconsistency when you're starting out. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I would just play and I would try to learn songs that I, that were simple, that I could sing well. And eventually, you know, you hear those, I don't know how to describe it when you're strumming and you can't quite, you're not getting all the um, strings to sort of vibrate nicely. And I just kept going. But eventually I figured it out. Okay. My finger has to be a little more like this. And I, you know, suck it up with those calluses, they get stronger. And you're so right. I love that thought. And I do tell people that, you know, if you can sing along, you know, even if you're not a singer, it just makes you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm creating this music. I'm a part of this. And it, yeah, it keeps that momentum, that forward momentum going. And as you said, like when you're forming chords and you're strumming down, you're like, Ugh. I, it, but it's like, hey, if you get like two strings to ring out, two is better than none. Exactly. It's a start. It's a starting. It was the same for me where I was like, okay, I can't do well, at least I can do a couple. And it's just like, I can, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just the act of doing it is more important. And it's just the consistency of doing it again and again, again. and again and again. And before you know it, you're like, oh, how come I'm good at this? Oh, and you look back and you see the hours of you just kind of strumming away. Yep, absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer in just doing it. I am like the queen of, yeah, let's do it. It's like, I'm pretty much all wrong on it, but let's just do it anyway. Because you know what? Action. You got to do it. Well, I think it's because there's sometimes a misconception of if I acquire all this knowledge, it makes me good to do the thing. It's like, no, 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 no. The, it's just the, the, the knowledge is one thing, but jumping into the trenches, doing it is a whole other ball game. And I'm not a sports person. That's the closest thing that I get to sports is an analogy like that. But it's like, until you do the thing and you're, and it's messy and it doesn't work out, it blows up in your face until you are like, oh, that's, even though they told me to do it that way, that's actually not the way it should be done. It's, it's okay because you have to figure it out. It is okay. And I, you know, as an adult, like, why do we, why are we hard on ourselves as kids? That's what you do. You learn and you're not that good. And then you try again until you kind of get it dialed in. It should not be different as an adult, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you're going to be incredible at everything right away. You know, you got to do it. You got to find the joy as you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you know what I mean? It's all cliche, but it's all part of the journey. Like you're doing it. A lot of people don't even pick up that guitar. They just stare at it and go, Mm, someday or maybe never, whatever, you know, but yeah, you're doing it. That's key. What is the one thing that you think separates someone who I feel like there are people that always teeter that line Mm -hmm. of almost doing it 
almost doing it. And for years, maybe even decades, that's always the thought, I could do that. Mm -hmm. I could do that. And yet, yet there are some that hear that thought of like, I can do it. And they're like, all right, here we go. And yeah. they're just like knee deep in the muck trying to figure it out. I think what it is, is confidence. And this is funny you say this because this is a lot of what I talk about with what I teach, mm-hmm. um, which is bringing mindfulness into songwriting and performing as well. And it's very interesting, you know, talking to people, they, they lack the confidence. It's like they've been dying to do fill in the blank, say performing. Actually, I was speaking to someone recently and they've always been sort of the, the side man for, um, you know, in a band, they've always wanted to be the front man, but have been afraid to and didn't know where to start. Uh, it's that confidence, right? It, but the cool thing is, that's just like learning the guitar. You can learn and develop the skill of confidence uh, little by little, day by day. You know, it's that inner talk we have with ourselves, right? Don't you think? I, I do think it's that inner confidence. And I guess that leads to my next question for you that confidence as you were moving up like piano, guitar. Yeah. Was songwriting always connected to those? Like you just used, you were like, okay, that's going to be a vehicle for this. Or was that something that over time you eventually, that was the next step you thought of, or that was another thought that was introduced to you? Yeah. I always wrote songs just sort of as a way to express myself. I'm a very emotional person, sensitive. <laughs> sure. Others can relate. So I just, that's how I express, expressed myself. And yeah, mm-hmm. I always wanted to be a singer and it was like the cool singers I loved wrote their own songs. So I knew I had to get good at it, but it wasn't until I really discovered that songwriting, like a staff songwriter was actually a thing or that I started to realize some artists don't write their own songs. They have people who do that. And then, so that was the next thing. It's like, oh, wow, this is cool. Okay, I think I want to do this. And again, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Even if I'm terrible, I will learn and I'll try to get better. I'll just try to get better. Yeah, so then I was like, okay, next step, Nashville, because that's where you learn the best. Like that was the music I loved and that's where the people were doing what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I'm jumping in. Yeah. And there's no book out there just like how to become a staff writer in Nashville mm-hmm. and reach to the top. It is very much a talking, networking, talking, writing, networking, playing, talking. Network. It just seems like that's the never ending kind of what you have to do. How did you navigate those waters where literally for some people, the reason they don't do that is they're like, well, everybody has that dream. Yeah. Everybody wants to do that. Everybody. It's just oversaturated. That's a phrase that I love that people say that's very random. Yeah. It's oversaturated. It's like, yeah, so is becoming a chef. So is becoming an accountant. <laughs> but it doesn't stop people from being like uh, an accountant. No, 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 no. That's an oversaturated market. You can't make it. Yeah. it but what about writing? Yeah. Okay. So there's two two thoughts I have about that. First, for myself. It was an intuition thing. It's really something I can't put my finger on. It was just a knowing, not a knowing like, whoa, I'm going to be the most successful writer out there. It was like, I know that I have to do this. I have to try. I just have Mm -hmm. to try or I just won't sit. I just won't sit well with myself the rest of my life. I just have to try. (laughs) It just is knowing. Do you know what I mean? That's the intuitive nudge you kind of get, right? Um, But I think that's the important thing where sometimes there's this pull 
your internal pull that's just like you need to do this and you're like i don't even know what the thing is i don't even know and but it's the pull is greater than the resistance you're just like all right you know i don't know i'm gonna do it and here we go yeah how do you do it right when you don't know there's no step-by-step guide okay yeah I sort of, um, you know, you go to workshops and you learn and then you meet people who are doing it. And so you're right. There is absolutely no, you do this, you do that. Then you, here's what you get. I spoke to people who were doing it. Um, you know, great songwriters, Victoria Banks, she was already down there and she said, here's how I did it. You know, and you, and you, again, you're just trying to follow in people's footsteps who have done it. Do you find too, when you're not resistance to the pull of what you want to do, the people that you're talking about that you need to surround yourself like, oh, I need to I need to hang out with them. I need to watch what they're doing. I need to go. You, those people suddenly reveal themselves over time that you don't have to worry. It's like not a race. It's not a climb to the top and a night. I always like to think of it like it's not a knife fight to the top of music because there's only one little slice left. Yeah. But it's like you suddenly realize, oh, if I listen to what I need to actually do, and if I'm quiet for a little bit, and we can get into this with mindfulness, that that allows those people, those opportunities, those things, I don't have to struggle to find them. They reveal themselves over time. Absolutely. That is exactly it. Like you, something in your energy just changes and things start to just flow. I mean, that doesn't mean you don't have ups and downs, but you're mm-hmm. right. People reveal themselves um, they come into your life. They're they're all of a sudden willing to help, and it's like, geez, I, I couldn't have asked for someone more more helpful, or you know, helping me get along in this sort of thing. Yeah, people, events, things just start kind of lining up, and that led to a staff writer deal. Yeah, yeah. So my first uh, publishing deal was with Murrah Music, and I I it was less than two years that I had moved to Nashville that that happened, and that was again a surround. Those were incredible people that that worked there and, and wrote there. Uh, amazing mm-hmm. experience. How does it feel when it happens? When you realize, you know, for some people, they wait for the goal and they get to the goal and they're like, I've got it. What now? It's just mm-hmm. like sometimes they catch it and they're like, they think it's going to be like fireworks and grandioso. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this is just another step. Yes. <laughs> I love that you said that because uh, somewhere recently, where was I read it? I went. I want to say it was Eckhart Tolle or something. Eckhart Tolle Mm -hmm. said that, you know, basically life is not, so that grand goal achieving thing is not some extra special event. It's all, life is just these little moments, these little present moments, one to the next. And you're right. When I got my deal, I was all excited. I was excited to phone home and go, guess what? You know, I've been dying to say that. But then it was like, okay, hang up the phone and okay, now what? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I just do like what I did yesterday. Got to show up. Got to write a song. I got to you know uh, go make myself dinner. Like you know, they're just little incremental things, right? Yeah. And that helps. That helps you figure out what's your next step. It's not, oh, how do I get to the top of this mountain? You do it to tiny little steps, just in the right direction. That's all. I like to think of it as the process. If you don't enjoy it, then the whole trip's going to be miserable. Because yeah. it's a never-ending process. Yes, there are, there are these little milestones or moments that are are big. They're huge. And it's great. But as you said, the next day, you still have to get up. You still have to go grocery shopping. You still have to realize, ah, my toilet's clogged. 
damn it. Yeah. And it's just like, there's not necessarily like everything's magical now. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm turning into the lucky charms guy, but it's just, <laughs> there's so much. It's just another step. It's a great step, but it's the next thing. And then there's going to be another next thing. Yep. Exactly. I mean, that that's how it goes. And the, and the quicker you can realize that, well, and you know what? Sometimes you have to reevaluate too. I think some people are chasing things for the wrong reasons. And so if they go, you know, I'm not enjoying this everyday thing. All right, let's take a step back. Let's get quiet. Let's really figure out. Sometimes the answers don't reveal themselves as fast as we want. You know, we're used to Googling everything, right? Like how do I, (laughs) boom, there's the answer. Sometimes we have to get still and quiet and just be that way. And the answer will reveal itself maybe in the next week or maybe the next day, right? And it's okay. It's okay to to go, listen, this didn't feel right. I'm doing this maybe for the wrong reasons. The journey's not fun. Time to switch direction. And do you think that's because sometimes people don't want to admit that it was like they think of the template they were given as like, oh, if I didn't do it, then I'm a failure. Mm. And that's why they keep on doing the thing because they've been instilled with this vision, the stream that may not be theirs and or may not be the full picture. And they think this is what it has to look like. They're so rigid in what it needs to look like. The process is miserable. They hate everything about it, but they keep on doing it because they don't want to be like, I need to change course or the, it might be a failure. Yes. And that is, that is a huge thing. Cause I mean, listen, our society is very much like you have to be, it's like go big or go home. You have to be the best of the best. You have to succeed. I think it's just important to do what feels right. And it's okay. And listen, the failure thing, like what? If you change, if you kind of flip it in your mind as mm-hmm. what's the word? I'm reflecting on this. Okay. This didn't work for me. I'm not failing. I've learned from this. This was me gathering, let's say gathering data. This didn't work. <laughs> let's change yeah. direction. That's okay. But we do put so much pressure on ourselves, don't we? Of like, um, failure if I don't have the, the Grammy award or whatever it is. I feel like failure is always going to be there constantly when we're looking at social media, comparing like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not like so-and-so. I'm not doing exactly where social media is wonderful to communicate our message, but also too can be terrible because we're just you know, doom scrolling all across, looking what others are doing and then trying to use their template to compare ours. And then it's like, oh no, it's not good. Yeah. And you're, you're exactly right again. Wow. Mike, you're really right all the time. I love it. Um, but the, fa- <laughs> <laughs> the failure is like that rejection, the failure, the, the sort of comparison. Have you heard this uh, quote? Com- comparison is the thief of joy, but which is, you know, so prevalent True. everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I thought I was doing good. And then I saw so-and-so, God, they're doing way better. Like, darn. But, <laughs> you know, it's sort of always going to be there. You have to, it's not, you have to learn how to not make it happen. You have to learn how to deal with it and move on. And that's, that's, again, there's something I, I teach as well. Is like, you're going to deal with re- rejection is just a part of life. So let's figure out how to deal with it. So it doesn't take up our whole it doesn't take up weeks. Now I can just be sort of sad for an hour or two and then I can move on. Now, was this a mindset you had very early on or was the experience of being in Nashville and dealing with ups and downs, was this something you 
became acquired with or developed over time that you started to accept more of these things as opposed, or were you always just, that was your mindset? No, this is definitely something that's come over time. I've always loved self-development and that sort of thing, but I definitely, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time, but like I was obviously dealing with a lot of anxiety, like anxiousness and oh, just um, just nerves and all of these things. And like like I mentioned, so you know, getting the word no or being rejected and rejected, and then just feeling down. You know, it's like so hard to pick yourself back up. And so over time, experiencing all of these things, I slowly started to put these pieces together and I I tried to learn, you know, how to deal with it and how to cope. And then I was like, gosh, I'm doing this. Maybe other people need help doing this. Like I'd never, like to me, this mindfulness stuff goes hand in hand with, with what I do with my music, but not, I realize not necessarily everyone does. And so that's why I thought, this is cool. I want to teach this. I wish I knew this when I was starting out kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, as you were writing in Nashville, like what were some of the the biggest highs for you? And what were some of those moments that mindfulness kind of kicked in to help you not go too low? And essentially yeah. just like it was your, you know, it was your cushion. <laughs> yeah. Some highs. I mean, just getting to write with some incredible people um, like Josh Keir at the time he had written, um, he wrote before he, before he cheats for Carrie Underwood. And at the time, I think he had just got the cut on the album. I don't even think it was released as a single yet. You know, just, just so many different things going to number one parties, meeting my idols. Like I love Faith Hill and meeting her and Laurie McKenna, seeing her a ton of different times and, all sorts of cool stuff like that. I mean, those were awesome days. And then there were the days that like, you know, even simple things like showing up to a co-write and mm-hmm. being nervous, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you know that pressure of like, okay, I have this right. And I got, I got to bring my A game. I got to show this person I'm good. Yeah. And you, you know, you go in there though, and all of a sudden you're in your head and it's just like the whole thing falls apart. It's like, oh, a disaster. Yeah, it is where you have these grand plans of like, this right's going to be amazing. And then you're halfway through and you're like, oh, we're still stuck on this first verse. Yeah. I mean, abort, abort. And you're, like, and you're, like, you're like, oh, I hope they don't think that I'm so dumb. I hope they don't think I'm like this terrible writer. So here you are in your head doing that. And then you're also trying to write the song. And yeah, like just a mess. It's a constant battle in your head. So you've got all those things and you've been developing this sort of mindfulness to kind of cushion you. At what point, because then you left Nashville, mm-hmm. do you feel that you're more attuned to the idea of when a door closes or when you have to move on to the next thing, even when the next thing's not clear, that you're able to just take that and you see that as just another step in your journey and not like, oh, but so-and-so didn't do that, less comparison and more just like, well, let's talk about Lisa. What's important about my journey and the things I should be doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I really do. Like, you know, yeah, sure. You can still, I do get bummed out if things I had my heart set on don't come through. Right. But yes, now it's just, okay. I see the big picture now. What is going to work for me? Like we are so, everyone has these unique things. Why would I think that everything's going to happen exactly the same for me as it is for everyone else? Um, When I moved back to Canada Um, and I won't get into all this, but basically 
I just got married and I was pregnant. And then a few of my things fell through. Like my, um, my deals weren't renewed. I was supposed to do this great big show on the stage and they just let me go without any explanation, quote unquote, except I'll, you know, it's cause I was pregnant. But, um, I mean, so talk about like, yeah. okay, let's look at the bright side here. <laughs> like, whoa, every, the rug was just pulled out completely from under me. And I have took a long time for some self-reflection. I was very down on my music. I was like, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. You know, that whole inner reflection that we have, right? Like we all know it. We all have it. But I'm telling you, it's probably, you know, that sort of time was like probably the best thing that could happen to me because it was like when I came back around, I just had such a better perspective of what I wanted and how I'm going to get there. And you know what? If people, if certain people aren't into what I'm doing or aren't opening those doors for me, cool. That's not for me. Moving on. Let's let's go find the people who are on the same page as me. I totally get that because I felt the same way when a band ended and I was just like, I guess I can't do music. Yeah. It's not the thing. But the downtime ends up being, you know, for me, it was just teaching guitar over and over for, you know, that's all I did. But that was ended up being like the best thing. And that ended up being exactly what I needed to do. And it wasn't that I was in the wrong place. It wasn't that I missed the wrong thing or didn't do the right thing. It was like, no, no, no. Where you're at right now is exactly what it's like. You're a piece of clay and you're slowly being just like, pummeled. you know, yes. I'm not getting biblical with this, but it's just like, they're just, <laughs> you know, just like you're getting like, oh, ow, that hurts. Okay. Well, you know, it looks better. And suddenly when you're ready to then find the next chapter, the next thing, you realize all that time, whether it be a couple months, a couple of years, oh, totally. I feel so much better to do. I'm like better equipped. God, if I had gotten the thing that I wanted before, that would have just, that would have been short term. That would have just died within a year. This is like much better long term for me. Oh, totally. Like you, I, I'm shaking my head here. You can't see, <laughs> but I'm shaking my head along. Like, yeah, exactly. Like there's so many things that happened between then and now where I didn't know at the time, but I'm like, wow, because I did that, you're exactly right. Like I'm way better now for this. But yeah, if someone was like, well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. You'd go, no, no, I don't want to do that. Not signing up for that. But once it does happen, you could look back and go, okay, I get it. It all worked out. As that fire, I, I want to say, was like kindling, whatever analogies we want to go with, fire, water, clay, <laughs> as you eventually, you know, there was that period of time where it was like that self-reflection, quiet. Then you came back with that, like, okay, let's do this. And I love the fact that you combine songwriting and mindfulness. And for those that are like, what the hell's mindfulness? Mm -hmm. What would you say to them in a very rough description? It, it encompasses for me and what I teach quite a few different things. So it's, to me, I always say it's like tapping inward. It's, it's kind of, let's give some examples. Okay. It's, it's mm -hmm. like doing simple meditations or visualizations to help you feel better, see things better through your perspective, um, your self-talk or affirmations, I like to call them. Um, mm -hmm. Even just simple breathing techniques. Like I was talking about that nervousness and the cold, right? Like, you know, just even, even just kind of getting yourself into that good place, being in the zone, being present, like performing, it, it, that's what it's about, right? It's like yeah. being in the moment, not worrying about all the thousands of things you want to worry about, um, 
yeah. And then, ta- you know, learning to tap into that intuition um, and not just reacting to everything. So yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell. I feel mindfulness also makes you aware of that we're constantly on this journey of like trying to find the worth and the tools. But when you have that sort of like, okay, stop for a second, breathe, you realize, oh, wait, like what I need to do is already equipped within me. There may be things that I need to figure out a little bit more on how to do, but like I'm fully capable of, you know, I don't lack anything. I don't let, you know, it's there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and it is for everybody. Like it is there, your unique things or whatever it is, your creativity, it really is all there on the inside. And the things that stop you from getting it out on the outside are those things like worthiness, your self-confidence, um, you know, those, those anxious feelings, but it is all there. And that's my course is called the successful songwriter within, because it's, it is within you and you got to tap in to bring it out to the outside. And if people are listening to this and they're skeptical about like, Oh, what do you mean? Mindfulness and songwriting creative that has nothing to do with it. It's like it to me after experiencing this, it's the most vital thing that you need on top of working at your craft, networking and meeting you. It's all those are essential to a good configuration of a well-rounded songwriter because it's a never-ending mother freaking loving journey it's just it's not ending and if you're not grounded in that you're going to go on tailspin after tailspin and these ups and downs emotionally that you won't be able to do a lot of this long term Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be a wreck so interesting you say that because well, first of all, there are so many people that practice mindfulness uh, that are famous, like Katy Perry does uh, transcendental meditation and, and stuff like that. But I mean, you're right. This is it's a continual process, and the fact that we don't talk about it more kind of blows my mind because I think about, um, you know, high level visualization is done by um, boxers, like professional boxers, tons of professional athletes who have won, you know, medals at the Olympics, and it's like, hello, like. Why, why aren't us musicians and artists doing this sort of thing? And maybe we are, but anyway, why aren't we talking about it? It's so important. And like you say, even like connecting with industry people. Okay, so let's say you got everything going on for you. You, you got the perfect songs and everything's all lined up, but then you don't have a clue how to speak to somebody, right? <laughs> and you're just like, you're all like nervous and stuff, but it's like, but look, I have a really great song, but I don't even, I just don't even know how to share it with people because I'm so scared, nervous, self-con- uh, self-conscious, whatever, right? It all works it's together. the anxiety level that's so high. And if that isn't in check, if that isn't, you know, calmed down, brought down, and that sort of grounding of who you are and your vision and who you are, it just, if you don't have that, you could have the best fucking song in the world. Doesn't matter because you're not going to have that vibe and that energy. You may actually even attract the wrong people that yes. you don't want to be around. And you're thinking like, no, this is the person I need to show up. But meanwhile, when you have those moments of quietness that you literally stop, and maybe we don't talk about this because we always have that hustle mindset that we're told yes, to just we do. keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. I don't feel good. Keep on going. Okay. <laughs> and, and we just like collapse. 
if we're not quiet, if we're not taking those breaks and maybe we get an opportunity that looks good on the outside, but we go, uh Oh, you know what? Now that I thought about this, this is really, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. This is not for me. We end up taking the wrong ones. And then that's what even drains more of our energy and, you know, delays us. Yeah. And we're so busy listening to other people's opinions <laughs> that we forget that what's most important is really how do we feel about it? Right. We're all ex- that external validation we're looking for. Um, like you say, we're looking for those right people. But yeah, if it doesn't feel good, and like you say, if it's draining you, it's okay to stop reevaluating. But you got to give yourself half a second <laughs> to slow down in order to do that. What do you use? I guess, what's the Lisa filter of when <laughs> you're like, okay, new opportunity. Hmm. Is this right for me? How do you, what's a good starting point for someone if they're like, okay, this sounds great. This sounds awesome. How the hell do I start? What do I do? Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what I really do love, I think the word meditation scares people. So I can, we can use that word, but call it what you will. I, I really do like to get quiet, even seriously, like two minutes. Yeah. Just sitting cross-legged on a bed, on a chair, whatever. Uh, if you have to go to the bathroom, whatever, it is, right? <laughs> Somewhere for quiet, right? I'm home with three kids. So yes, yeah, sometimes that's where I have to go. And um, you're putting, you know, just put your hands down, relax your shoulders. Cause we, I all like do this with me now, if you're listening, which you are, uh, your shoulders are probably up by your ears, you know, cause everyone's tense in the shoulders these days. Let them relax. Just take a deep breath in and close your eyes and then breathe out. It's okay if your mind is busy. That's okay. That's natural. But just do that for about two minutes. And just even like there's this quietness behind your eyelids and within you. Just sit and listen. And don't don't try to do anything. Don't try to quiet that mind. Just be. Just be still. Um, you'd be surprised. I think at first you, you might do it and go, okay, nothing happened. Again, the hustle mentality. It's like, oh, I need answers. I need whatever. I need results. Just give it a shot. Do it the next day. Two minutes. Do it the next day. If you have a hard time, those, you know, um, meditations where your uh, people are, like audio meditations can mm-hmm. help. But I'm telling you, it's very simple, but you just got to give it a try. And try it every day for a week, I swear. See what happens. And I agree with you because at first I remember doing this and being like, this is, I, I, I'm, I would go through my calendar. I would think about the thing. And I realized how loud my mind was. Like it was like, you know, all these things, it was chaotic mess. But I remember reading somewhere, I read this book by Joseph Goldstein on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, just do a soft acknowledgement in your head. Like, just acknowledge what it is and just let it pass. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, if another thought passes, don't worry. Just come back to the breath. Just And it's a, an amazing centering thing. And at first, two minutes may seem like two years at yes. first. Because it's just like we're so 
the screens are on, the music's blaring, with the lights are on. We even when the world's dark, we have bright lights just keeping us our mind constantly awake that we're just like it's time to keep on going. And the only time that we get quiet is when we pass out out of tiredness. But even then, our mind still can't shut up and that's when we stay awake because our mind's like I'm still awake. You've yep. got other things to do and you're like I am so physically tired. Can we go to sleep? Yes. Once yeah. we run through your day one more time. Exactly. And what you have to do tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, you're still doing things even when you're not doing things. Yeah. It's exhausting. But I feel once people start that, that journey of meditation and they stay with it, and it's just like practicing your instrument if we relay it, because it's so close to an instrument, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That if you do these little increments at the beginning, but you're consistent with it, you start to build up that. I guess like the soul builds a tolerance to that silence. It's like, okay, I'm kind of getting used to it. And you can increase it a little bit more, a little bit more and a little bit more. But those important things, all those decisions we need to make, like this opportunity isn't right for me. You know what? I really, you know, so-and-so just came to my mind. I need to reach out to them. A lot of those things happened, I feel, when I've taken the time to literally not do anything, but just be quiet because I allowed myself to sit with things. Mm-hmm. And it was through that, it ended up being like, oh, okay, I got it now. Yes, it's so interesting. I love that comparison. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, it's like you're building the calluses, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, through mindfulness or something. But you're, you're right, like an instrument, it's not important that you play for an hour once a week. It's important that you just do a little wee bit each day because you know what that does? It gives you some confidence. Like, okay, I'm getting there. Same with this. And it, yeah, they go hand in hand, like unbelievably. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite authors and speakers, Rob Bell, and he talks about, somebody asked him about writing and they were like, do, what do you do? And he was like, oh, I only do like an hour a day. And they were like, that's it? And he was like, yeah, but I do it like every day at this time. And I do that pretty much for the entire year. And he was like, so over that little bit, little bit, little bit, like, that's how I have all this stuff. I can write a book. I can do talks because he, it's dedicating just that small little chunk and realizing when, okay, that's enough. I'll come back tomorrow and see if anything happens. Mm -hmm. And I find that so important. So if people want to go that we're talking about this and they're like, I'm intrigued, songwriting, mindfulness, this sounds perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Where can they find you? Absolutely. So I actually have a free, um, a free tutorial of uh, visualization, like meditation that people can, can grab. And so everything's on my website, which is www.musicandmindfulness.co. Musicandmindfulness.co. Love it. Lisa, thank you so much for hanging out with me because what you're doing, I find is insanely valuable for people because you're right. We need to be talking more about this, not mm-hmm. less. This is, and once we talk about it, people go, that's what was missing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You are a joy. You are, you are wonderful. This has been so great. And that does it for this week's episode. And remember, if you love the Songwriting for Guitar podcast and you haven't written us a review on Apple Podcasts, take just a few moments and talk about your favorite episode. And all of these podcasts have been edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. 
I'm Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.